Welcome to the Consumed Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message, Prisoners of Hope. For any further information about this message or the ministries of Consumed Church, you can check us out at theconsumedchurch.com. Did you wake up like, what in the world? It's a little bit colder today. Hey, Margie's here. That's a good day when Margie's in the house. Well, welcome to Dive Deep December. Have y'all enjoyed what God's doing in December? (laughs) Man, was that not a dive with the worship right there? Oh, Jesus. Woo. So today I want to talk about hope. You know, kind of coming off the heels of last week, for me, like on, on, on Mondays, um, man, I just can't tell you, after, after doing this stuff on Sunday morning, you know, we have family time and all that, but then when the house gets quiet, the Spirit of the Lord just, just rushes in the room. And man, does he just minister to me, and he brings his word even more to light. Like if I miss something, he's like, there's so much more. And uh, so after last week, and last week there was, there was a very strong prophetic word I shared about how there was just a sense of urgency in the spirit uh, that I've been sensing from the Lord. He's been waking me up and saying, now's the time, get with it, get serious, take this thing serious. Two for one, if y'all remember some of that last week. And uh, this, this Monday, I, I just had this overwhelming sense of the Lord wanted to release hope. Y'all okay with that? Yeah. That there's, a, there's a, uh, a releasing, an outpouring of hope that the, that the Lord wants to pour on you today. That when you leave here, you will be soaking wet, drenched with hope. Is it a deal? So I want to talk about this concept of prisoners of hope. You know, it's kind of cool because the holiday season, often in the church calendar and the church tradition, uh, they have what's called the season of Advent, started on November 28th, and every Sunday they start uh, counting down the days till Christmas. And the season is all about anticipation of Christ's return and celebrating his coming the first time. And obviously, we, people of the Spirit, are all up in the business of His showing up on a regular basis, amen? And so as we celebrate, as we lean and um, you know, march towards Christmas, I know that this isn't necessarily a holiday message, but yet it's very common. The very first week in the liturgical calendar, oftentimes uh, the, the churches that practice Advent, they will talk about hope on November 28th, but, uh, so I'm a little bit late, but that's okay. Y'all forgive me. So I, I, I mean, I'm just going to warn you right now. I, I hope you have your Bibles. I hope you have a notepad and something to write with because this is going to be very prophetic, but it's also going to be a teaching. Okay. I'm, I'm just can't wait for the day when everybody comes walking in and everybody's got a binder with them. 
I was like, but, but, but you do. Congratulations. Good job. I'm proud of y'all. But I just feel like this is one that the Lord's saying, buckle up. Pay attention. All right, here we go. So the title of the message is Prisoners of Hope. Prisoners of Hope. And uh, there's a very interesting statement in the Old Testament about our relationship to hope. It's a prophetic word from Zechariah. It's very poetic. And it's in chapter 9 of Zechariah. And I may allude to it or, or uh, read the whole thing later, but I'm just going to read the first verse that has that statement in it. And that's uh, 9 verse 12 says, Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. Does that sound familiar? And I think the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord is wanting to address his church. This church, yes, in our hearts individually, but the big C church. And in the times like this where the enemy is making as much noise as he possibly can to, to terrorize, to intimidate, to take us to a place where we back up and back down, that the Spirit of the Lord is actually breathing on you and saying, you can't let go of this hope thing. This hope thing has a hold of you. And it's actually like a strong tower. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, right? The righteous run into it and are safe. So we have this image that Zechariah is using that hope is like a, like a place that even though when there's no hope to be had, the Lord says you can't get away from it. You're not allowed to not hope. And in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, Paul actually, or the writer of Hebrews, actually talks about this concept in more detail uh, from a New Testament perspective. And he calls it uh, holding fast the confession of our hope. And so there's some uh, precepts, concepts, uh, if you will, that I'd like to take out of the Hebrews chapter 10 uh, narrative here or passage of Scripture. Hebrews 10, 23 through 11, 1. I'm not going to read all of it, but just to give you a little background to what's going on there, uh, Paul or whoever this is is writing to um, Jewish believers who are under, under intense persecution. And they're under pressure from their culture to stop their confession, their confession being their profession, their, uh, their witness of the Lord Jesus Christ, their way of life. See, our, our confession and our profession is much more than just when you came down to the front and said, Lord, I accept you into my heart and receive you as my Lord and Savior. The, our confession of our hope is what drives our whole entire life. It's like all of the uh, people around you. See, this is what's going to happen to you, Dave, when you get done with this. You're going to walk out of here drenched in hope and that the world around you is going to experience hope entering into the room because you're going to be lit up with it. But that's, there, there's a commodity in heaven that we can lay hold of, and it's called hope. Hope is confident expectation. Confident expectation. I love the power of expectation. What does Proverbs say? It says, uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Um, help me out. But desire achieved is the tree of life. Fulfilled, that's the word. I couldn't remember the fulfilled word. Desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And so there's something about being motivated. I believe that we're called to be motivated, that, that we have inspiration that drives us and propels us forward. You know, in Hebrews chapter 11, 1, uh, he says that, uh, 
Now, hope is the substance, or no, faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. So your hope, your faith is actually governed by your hope. So in other words, your expectations, if your expectations are here, well, then your faith isn't going to go very high. So what we need is an elevated level of expectation so that our faith can accomplish more because faith is actually substantial. It's weighty. It's more than a feeling. It's like the power to get stuff done in the kingdom. Amen? All right, so let's just read it. Oh, holding fa- here's my outline for you. So if you have notes, uh, holding fast the confession of our hope requires three things as taken from this passage in Hebrews. Incitement, enlightenment, and alignment. Not exactly um, acrostic there. Or, um, <laughs> they don't rhyme. They do rhyme, sorry. They don't start with the same letter. Alliteration is the word I'm looking for. I'm going to go ahead and pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. <laughs> Thank you that, Lord, even though I didn't get a whole lot of sleep last night, God, that it is Christ in me. The hope of glory, Lord. God, we want to see your glory. We want to hear your word. We want to receive from you. We want to see your face. Lord, we give you all the glory and the honor. Bless my ability to communicate your heart this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So incitement. Hebrews 10, 23. uh, We'll start there if you've got your Bibles. Let us... Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so oftentimes in the history of the children of God, persecution arises there's, a, there's an enemy out there that doesn't like that when we pursue after the Lord, when we meet together, that the ground shakes, that we actually step into destiny, that God's will becomes done on earth. Are you getting what I'm saying? And so it is critically important that we continue to meet together. So give yourself a hand. Congratulations for showing up to church this morning. But I mean, we've gotten used to doing... Uh, live streaming and Zoom calls and all that. And you know what? I'll take it. It's better than nothing. But if there's any chance at all that we can meet together, it's critical because something unique and special happens when you are face-to-face, okay? It's not the same as watching it on TV because our faith is, is about stirring up one another to love and good works. And you can't do that if it's just a personal thing. If it's just about you trying to feed yourself with more information or even a good word. Now, that is helpful, but it's not the same, okay? Wavering. Have we seen any wavering these days? This is an encouragement uh, from the apostle here to the Jewish believers to not crumble, to not fail, to not back up, but to actually push forward in the face of persecution. Apathy is not isolated to just us personally. It, it's, it affects everybody. Notice that I highlighted the word, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. The word consider there. Let us consider how to stir up one another. So I'm going to throw some Greek words at you this morning, okay? Kataneio, I think. 
to observe fully, to behold, consider, discover, to perceive, remark, observe, understand, to consider attentively, fix one's eyes or mind upon. See, you can't do that through a TV screen. That it's actually part of our role as a believer to study one another. To study one another, to actually pay attention to what makes that other person tick, each and every one of us. Now, you can't do that if we have an entertainment approach to the kingdom of God. Look at the word stir, stir up, paroxymos. It means incitement, incitement to good. It means to provoke, almost irritatingly, but in a good way. So it's important. You're not being provoked to good works. I'm not being provoked to good works unless I'm looking at you, Matthew, and we sit together, and me and Matthew are always provoking one another, but there's something about meeting together that's not happening that we're actually called to incite glorious good works. You know, that day that you guys did the pastor appreciation, it's the first time I've ever experienced that, and uh, oh my gosh, you guys, here's a perfect example. I just was so blessed and so blown away. But it was actually blessing and blowing other people away that you guys were getting blessed and blown away. You know, we were inciting one another to just good works. You guys were throwing money at us. I mean, it was just, it was just sloppy and beautiful. But love, the love of the brethren was there. It was so rich and thick. Even new members, people that haven't been here long were coming up. They were just in tears, overwhelmed, because they were watching the physical manifestation of this going down, the body in action. We meet in person to encourage, to incite love and action with holy, contagious fire. You can't quite get the fire while watching a video, although I've watched some videos that have fired me up, and I'm going to talk about one in a minute. So if you're watching this live online, I'm not trying to shame you. I'm just inviting you to to get in here and, and look me in the eye so that I can breathe on you. Oh, bless you, Lord. All right. Holding fast the confession of our hope requires enlightenment. (laughs) See, our hope is limited by vision, okay? If we don't see clearly who God is, and this is why it's important uh, that Alan came and shared this. I I have just a, a, a mandate from the Lord that we are to get the teaching aspect God has called this church to be a, a school, a school of ministry, that uh, we are a discipling church. That, that's what we're about. Did you, do you realize that as believers, that's what we're all about? We're supposed to be about being disciples and discipling others. So that includes learning. That means a learner under discipline. Uh, but this is important because um, enlightenment matters. You know, if, if, if faith is governed by your expectation, but your expectation is based on what you know and what you've heard. Can I tell you right now, there's so much more. There's so much more. Like every day I'm getting more, I like I can't get enough. The more that I find him, (laughs) the more I seek him, the more I find him, the more I find him, the more I love him, the more that I can't believe this great person of Jesus Christ. He's bigger and better than I ever thought. 1032. We're, we're going to skip the part because it, uh, from what, 
24, 25, uh, so 26 through 32, those, those are words uh, about just falling away, about uh, under pressure. Starting in 32, I pick it back up. But recall the former days after you were enlightened. So this doesn't mean like um, Eastern religion where you've come to understand something better. There's a bigger meaning in this after you were enlightened. You endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners of those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Enlightened. It means to be lit on fire. When you were lit up, illuminated the King James. I, I, I used to read the New King James primarily. I've switched to ESV. I love it. <laughs> this is ESV you're getting now if you've noticed the difference. Um, once you were illuminated, it has the, 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 the understanding of having been lit on fire like a torch, that we were intended to be those that are lit on fire. Amen? The word enlightened is fotizo. It means to shed rays, to shine, to make, to see. See, we have a different perspective and a joyful attitude when we're lit on fire. These people, they had, he says, you joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods because you knew that you had a better and enduring possession. It changes our perspective when we realize that there's no lack when you're on fire, when you're in the presence of God and you're uh, marching to a different drum that you have a, a hope that you're anchored in, you realize that there's nothing that God can't do. Happily let folks just have whatever they need. Is that, am I making sense? We have access to all things that we need through faith. And this is the confidence. In verse 35 it says, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Confidence there, paresia, is freedom in speaking. It's not just confidence like I'm cocky and got my chest put out, but it's actually boldness of speech. Y'all realize fire is loud, doesn't beat around the bush. It's not just speaking in metaphors, it's speaking very boldly and very frankly. There's great value in that. This, it's going to reap you much, much reward. You can't hide a fire. <laughs> God is calling us to a place of greater illumination. You can see much clearer when you're on fire. Stuff gets real clear when you have a lot of light. All right, I'm laying down principles right now, and then I'm going to get to the prophetic part of it, okay? Here's a big part right here, Alignment. Holding fast, our hope includes alignment. So it's the difference between saying, I'm about to lose hope. And if, if there's people that are listening today, whether online or here in the room, and you've, you're at that place where you're just on the ropes, and like, I, I'm just losing all hope. There's a difference between a place where we're losing our hope and a place where we're anchored in his hope. You realize that there's hope available to you 
that's from outside of you. This has to do with the synergy of the ages, and I'm going to give a word about the synergy of the ages here in a moment. But the synergy of the ages is, is tapping into all that has gone before us. So that when we see the prophetic in the Old Testament, and then we see the things in the New Testament, the people that have gone before us, that they have paved the road for us, that they have laid hold of this commodity called this expectation. <laughs> and I want to look a little bit closer at the expectation. Synergy, the word, uh, I think it's synergeo, is in the New Testament. It's a Greek word. It's where we get, it's translated in English into all things work together. So oftentimes when we read Romans 8, 28, we, we think about all things work together for those that love God that are called according to his purpose. We kind of personalize that, but do you realize that it's talking about the synergy of the ages because the few verses before it, it's talking about the Holy Spirit praying in you with words too deep, uh, with groaning, with words too deep for words. All things work together for those that love him. It's not that everything in your life is that. It's that you're experiencing all things from the beginning of creation that are working together into the synergy of the ages. Is that making sense? As a matter of fact, he goes from there to talk about predestination. Here's what you need to know about predestination. Predestination isn't quite so personal. He is the predestined one. We think it's all about us when all of this is actually about him. Uh, I could go more into predestination some other time. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says this, for our sake he made him sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together then, uh, working together with him. There's the working together. There's the synergy word. With synergy we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain for he says in a favorable time I listen to you. And in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Huh. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So often we think that it's, our hope has to do with, I'll fly away, oh glory, and we're waiting for that day, but yet today we seize salvation. Am I making sense that Jesus' beautiful name, the high tower that we run into, means Savior. A savior is a king. A savior is a conquering king. That when you're in the tower, you can look out and see him come back, and he's in a procession with the prisoners behind him. And he's come back, and he said, how's it going? You've been cheering, right? And we get to enter into his victory, that his culture and his community, his way of life, his laws, his precepts, all of that become commonplace in his domain. Am I making sense? All right. Colossians chapter 1. <laughs> you want to talk about a high view of Christ. This is probably one of the most, Alan, I hope I say this right, Christological passages in the Bible. 
Christological, thank you. I'm looking forward to sitting under Alan in this class. He's a, he is an educator, and uh, the Lord has raised him up and for a purpose here in this church. Okay, Colossians 1, starting in verse 5. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Look, there is hope laid up for you in heaven. It's like a commodity that you can grab a hold of and pull it down. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. <laughs> 26 and 27 says this, the mystery hidden from, uh, for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Look, there's a hope that we can lay hold of and actually have access to, that we can pull that down and have access to it. So our hope and his hope need to be reconciled. In other words, they need to be brought up to the, brought up to the same speed, to the same page. We need to get our hope lined up with what God is doing. And I'm just telling you right now, unless we're students, unless we're disciples, unless we're paying attention, we miss like 95% of what he's trying to do. And everything we do is just kind of skim off the top promises that make us feel better and kind of limp us along from day to day. There's so much more that God has for us. So much more. You know, I've said this before, but for years, 20 years, I, I attended a church and the Holy Spirit was welcome there. It wasn't quite like this, but it, it was a great church. And there was this sense about my life that I was caught up in a greater narrative and it was connected to the assignment that God had on that church. And what I mean by that was like, I didn't want to miss. You know what I mean? We did miss, don't get me wrong, but there was something about the Spirit of the Lord. I can hear him speaking to me throughout the week, and I could almost preach a sermon. I'd get be in the car and talking to Lauren, and I'm just prophetically saying what the word of the Lord is, and we'd get there, and sure enough, the pastor would, would preach it out. And so it was like I had this sense of the compass being set through the church, and that the things that I was walking through in my life weren't just isolated to me trying to do better in life or me trying to make it, but it was actually connected to a purpose that was in and through the church itself. Does that make sense? Yeah. The, the synergy of the ages, what I'm about to do is show you how that is very true for each body individually, but then the whole entire church, the big C church, but even everyone who's alive right now in the church is actually connected to the synergy of the ages, that the story and plan of God, that the hope that we're all waiting for, Christ in you, the hope of his glory is where we're headed and what we can step into and participate in. I mean, he's poured it all out. We can have as much as we want. You can have as much as you want. I mean, I'm telling you that once this gets a hold of you, you won't want to do anything else. You won't want to spend your time doing anything else. You'll be like, how much of this can I drink? I'm ate up with watching videos about the Lord and learning more things about where the Bible came from and learning more stuff about who Jesus is. And every time it's just, it, I can't believe it. There's just more. So listen, hope is limited by truth's definition. 
okay? Like we all have a sense of truth, but the Lord is calling us to, to dive deeper. There's more definition than you think. Somebody say amen. Somebody say, I want more. Come on. Hallelujah. Oh, I skipped over verse 9 through 12 in Colossians chapter 1. Get this. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. The subject matter is Christ in you, the hope of glory, but it's like we're praying. I, I see that you got a hold of the Lord, but we're praying that you get a hold of the knowledge of his will because if you don't know, well, then your expectations lower. If somebody didn't tell you, if you didn't spend the time looking for it, you're not going to know. Your expectations lower, and your expectation affects your faith. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing, incre- y'all say increasing, increasing, in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, say power, according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance in the saints in the light. Now that sounds a lot different than a faith that is like, I got my ticket punched. I'm waiting for the Lord to show up. Isolationism does not, that doesn't sound like isolationism to me. This sounds like reckless abandon that the the, the God of the universe actually wants to show you more about himself so that he can raise your hope, your expectation level, so that you can bank on it, that you can bank on his character, you can bank on his word, and that through faith you can lay hold of all the promises of God. That you find out that you're a part of this great plan that God has. You're a part of Jesus. You're actually one with him. You're connected to him. You know, it's like you ever been connected to something and if you're Pulling and tugging against it, it just makes it so much worse. Once we actually realize that what we're yoked to is this beautiful person, come on, that has every last resource of heaven at his disposal. So God is going to do what he said. That is going to happen, okay? But he's going to do it through us. There's this stepping into the synergy of ages that he's calling us into right now. Here's the question, do we understand it? Kind of, getting there. And this is why biblical literacy is such a big deal. Y'all realize that only 1% of young people today have a biblical worldview. 1%. No, it's actually less than 1%. Guys, something about the way we've been doing church for the last 50, 60 years ain't working. It's not working. It worked then, but it's not working now. I mean, you're here. (laughs) Brad's quoting uh, Chris Valentin. We heard him speak a great message. I mean, this is what the prophets are saying, that the Lord is doing a new thing in this day. And the funny thing is it's still part of the old thing, but yet what got us here is not going to do it. We're losing relevance, cultural relevance. And guess what? The kingdom of God is always, always culturally relevant, but it looks different. It, it flies in the face of culture and the way that it is anti-Christ. Bad eschatology has crippled the church. 
I'm not afraid to say it. When I say eschatology, an eschatology that's based in escapism versus this idea that the gates of hell won't prevail against his church, that he's made you to be a ruler with authority, not to be a wimp that needs to be rescued. You were already rescued. The day of salvation is now. Now is the day of salvation. Are we understanding what I'm saying? Uh, Okay. So now I'm going to get to some prophetic dreams. Does anybody like prophetic words and prophetic dreams? Okay, so after, so I've got a, a really good friend. Y'all, some of y'all may know her, Kim Mortar, Kim and David Mortar. Uh, they're a part of this church. They're on assignment. They are really our only missionaries. We have a, uh, all the missions that we support as a church are in Israel because I value that to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. They need to hear the gospel. Um, but anyway, she, she sent me on Tuesday or Wednesday, I'm guessing she heard my sermon because they watch online. Love you, Kim. Uh, I, you know, it's hard to communicate. Israel's on lockdown right now, but, um, she sent me a YouTube link to a, a sermon by Dutch Sheets. Anybody know who Dutch Sheets is? He's a, he's a prophetic voice in this hour, a uh, very solid prophetic voice. He's actually been a solid prophetic voice for decades. He used to be a professor at CFNI. Um, you know, he, he has the audacity to believe that God actually has a plan for America. <laughs> he does. He has the audacity to believe that. And some people have accused him of, you know, some sort of Christian nationalism. But if you're paying attention, listen to it, it's not that at all. It's not that at all. We can, we can humbly and uh, repentfully admit that America has made mistakes, but yet God has a plan for America that, he, that, that we are to be a servant nation and not a lord it over people nation. And because we're a democracy, that was one of the greatest things that we got out of the Roman culture, is a democracy, God can work with that a lot more than he can work with dictator because there's, uh, there's only one king that will ever do it right, and that's Jesus Christ. In the meantime... We get to be a light to the world, a light to the nations. He's got the audacity to believe that. And so he, he was given this word. Actually, he was unpacking a dream uh, from a, another lady that is a, is a dreamer. She's a very prophetic voice. Uh, her name is Gina Goldston. And she's, she has dreams, and I think he unpacks a lot of her dreams. Um, but because they're, they're like hit the target, they're right on. And there is a dream that I had, um, you know, the date is a little fuzzy because I'm f- far away from the, from the dream, but I'll share the dream in a little, a little later. But, the, but that dream has actually propelled me. It's kept me pinned. It has been my stronghold of hope, so to speak, when it comes to pushing through to, to fight and, and to contend for what God wants to do here in this church. It has brought me here to this day. It brought me here to this situation. And I'll share that in a little bit. But it wasn't isolated. It wasn't just about this. This dream that he shares connects that dream to the bigger picture, and it just blew me away. I was watching it, and I just had to get up for air. I mean, I was getting electrocuted. So I'm going to tell you about his dream. And, and he, he talked about the synergy of the ages. That is uh, at the heart of this dream. That's the energeos, the working together. Okay, 
So Gina Golston, she's having this dream, and she saw the grounds of the Red River Meeting House. If y'all don't know what the Red River Meeting House is, uh, that was, they say that, that was the, it was the place of a great revival that broke out in 1800, but they say that every major move of God, every stream of revival that's happened in the United States and even in Europe since that time all flowed out of what God did at the Red River Meeting House. Okay, it's in Kentucky. Uh, there was Cane Ridge, and that was not too far from there. And that was a few years later. But anyway, so he's talking about revival. Uh, he's talking about the third great awakening is upon us. Do you all realize that? Yeah. It's happening right yeah. now. Great awakenings always happen when the external pressure is pushing on the church, that when you squeeze the church, you get more Jesus. Does that make sense? So she sees the grounds of the Red River Meeting House, and it's the, the, the grounds are covered in eagles, a hundred eagles to be exact. hundred bald eagles are standing on the grounds there. And while she's watching, a drilling rig backs up. Now, if you've been watching online or you've been coming every week, You'll, I did not know about this dream, but it's been tracking with what we've been preaching. And let me just say this real quick. Long gone are the days, even though I'm quoting somebody else right now, of me just hashing somebody else's sermon. I don't want to do that. I really press in to hear the word of the Lord that what God is saying to our church every week. So you're welcome. <laughs> but it matters because the, once I get through with this, you're going to go, oh my gosh. That's what we've been saying all year. So this lady had this dream uh, in 2020, and then it reoccurred again in 2021. All right, Red River Meeting Ground, it's the, the, the start of revival in America, right, in 1800. Um, the ground's covered with 100 bald eagles, and a drilling rig backs up on the ground. And just about the time they start drilling, they didn't even get very far, and this massive geyser just explodes, erupts out of the earth. Y'all remember I preached a sermon a couple weeks ago about deep calls unto deep and this concept of drilling for groundwater, and this water springing up from the earth like Old Faithful. In the dream, she said, well, that reminds me of Old Faithful, and the Lord spoke to her and said, yes, it's, the, it's set to the rhythm of God's clock, of God's timing. Remember last week I said something about it's time. The time is short. The time is now. And it erupted like a geyser, like Old Faithful. He talked about how in Daniel 2.21, he talks about how the, the Lord changes times and seasons. And those uh, Hebrew words are Edan and Zeman. And it's kind of like Kairos. That Kairos is, is a, those are all words for windows of opportunity. They're not it's not a guaranteed time, but an opportune time. And last week, we talked about this a little bit too. It has to be seized upon. There's a window of opportunity that God wants to partner with and do things with the church because he's chosen you to be his representative in the planet. But we have to take hold of it. And she said that then she saw uh, two, two hands come down and clap. And when the, when the clap happened, it made a noise. And uh, he, he um, kind of connected that to Psalm 98.8, eight, 
where it talks about streams and rivers will clap. And so what he's saying is that the, that the Lord is saying is that the, the, the different streams, our stream, the streams down the street, all these different uh, expressions of Christ, that they are coming together when the clap, the Lord claps, and the rivers come together, it makes a noise. And when it does, the birds take off in the flight. It was a signal to the eagles. And the eagles began to rise and circle around. And he noticed, she noticed that they had in their talons three arrows in this side and a scroll written up in that side. The scrolls represent strategies from God, that God is handing out strategies right now. Eagles, they have eyes, everything that knows about uh, one of the uh, characteristics of eagles that they're known for is their eyesight, keen eyesight, that uh, he connects us to the prophetic. As we can see that, that we're doing that, we're stirring up. I, I, preached, I, I preached a message, I don't know, what, two months ago, the eagles are coming. Yeah. And like, like a, a, a mother, an eagle that stirs up her nest, you know, the Lord is actually stirring up his church. He said, the Lord said, rapid eye movement. The prophetic voice is loud. God is speaking right now. We have to be paying attention. So these eagles, they flew off in every direction towards their assignments. But as they lifted up, <laughs> Zoe, as they lifted up, they flew through the geyser of water of revival, the well of revival. They flew through it and actually became soaked. They drew up so much water that as they went to their assignment, they were just dumping it like a helicopter that's putting out a forest fire. Huh. Where they went, they watered with the revivals of yesterday and brought it to today. This is a word to honor the generational work of all those that have gone before us to step into the synergy of the ages, that what is about to happen is not going to be just this new thing. It's actually going to be pulling everything that God's done before and bringing it forward into our future that we can walk in. It is going to be greater. Man, if I could put a thumb here, let me just quote something. Haggai 2, 6 and 9. If you keep reading that passage in Hebrews 10, it's quoting this. But Haggai 2, 6 and 9 says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations. Does this sound like nations are being shaken right now? So that, why is he shaking the nations? So that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. There in Hebrews chapter 10, he actually mashes that with Habakkuk 2, 2 through 4. And that says, and the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets. So he may run who reads it, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, the proud is so is not upright in him, but the just will live by his faith. I wasn't going to read those, but it just fit. Where was I? 
Eagles were dumping water. Where they went, they watered with the revivals of yesterday and brought it to today. That the word was to honor the other streams and to honor the generational work. We don't have to agree with their theology, but we certainly need to honor them for the Christ that lives in them. Work together. Then he heard the word rapid response teams. The meeting house was set up as a command center full of architects writing out plans and handing them out to those who were soaking wet. So people were walking in the water, just getting drenched and coming into the meeting house that was there. And architects, what do you think architects are? Here we are. We're, what's that? The, the builders, that's right. The apostolic anointing was strategy from God to carry out the plans of God. That is what God's doing right now. He's re-stirring that up. He's stirring up these wells. And the architects are, giving the, are being given the freedom. The way we've done church uh, in a pastoral kind of way has just absolutely crippled the church. Do you realize that if you do it like that, it won't, it won't be, it, it's not sustainable. If it's all about one guy and his ministry and just about making people feel better and nursing people, as soon as that guy's done, if he stumbles or if he falls or if he retires or he dies, that work is just... The apostolic is actually... Anointing is actually breathing on everyone and activating everyone and stirring up everyone, making disciples. Rapid response teams. Once they received uh, these scrolls, these instructions, they were translated to their assignments. But they were soaking wet. I'm praying and believing that you're getting wet right now. That there's something about getting in the presence of God and getting in the glory and tapping into what God's done before that when you're wet, you, it just gets all over everybody. I went to the pool store the other day. I think on Monday, they had my pool robot for two months. And uh, <laughs> most, most people uh, right now, I mean, if you haven't noticed, the world is weird right now. I mean, you can't get service hardly done right. You can't get parts on things. Um, you know, food doesn't taste right. They're not making it right. It, everything's just a mess right now. Everything's a mess. Well, I go into the pool place, and they, you know, I, I hadn't walked in three weeks because of this goofy foot. It's really doing great. Thank you, Dave and Jesus. Um, but I walked in there to check on my pool robot because my pool's dirty. I need to get my pool clean. And, you know, rather than making a big mess, which most people would say, man, I'd be up there just giving them what for. That's crazy. You can't have somebody's thing for two months and keep telling them, and they haven't even touched it, right? And I, and I, I met the owner, and the presence of God just came down around us in a bubble like it was. There was a bubble down here last Sunday. It was like a bubble, and I didn't really even say any much about the Lord, uh, but I just Talk to the guy with understanding and like, yeah, man, I totally get it or whatever. You know, I know parts are hard to get, whatever. Well, there was a new employee there. And the next day, they call me and they say, because they said, hey, the parts are coming from Israel. So I'm like, oh, yeah, Israel's on lockdown. And so, you know, I'm like, Israel, let's talk about Israel. 
So I was there for 45 minutes just talking, 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 you know, just smiling and everything's great. And, you know, they thought they had a customer. I, I own businesses, so I know what it's like when a customer uh, is, doesn't get what they need. They, they, sometimes they get really ugly. As a matter of fact, that's kind of contagious right now. I'm going to blow you up on Google. I'm going to blow you up on Facebook. You didn't get my car done fast enough. <laughs> Anyways, they, they call me in the morning and say, hey, man, we were up all night. We actually found parts in the back we didn't know we had. And like, you were just so nice. And I get up there to pick it up, and he's like, I can't repeat what he said because he's using profanity, you know, but in a flattering way. <laughs> F-bombing me, you know. Do you have any idea how rare you are? I was like, just smiling. All I could do is laugh, you know. That's just, I was telling everybody, I just couldn't believe it. Like, who are you, man? I mean, he just, I was wet. I was wet with the Holy Spirit. I went into the pool place, and they got wet. They don't even know it, you know, but their hope, their hope level was risen in humanity. He said, you restored my hope in mankind because you didn't come in here. You just were so understanding. You talked about everything but your robot. He goes, who does that, man? You have any idea how rare you are? And I'm saying that to you guys. Get wet. You have any idea how rare you are? Whoa. All right. That was a rabbit trail. I love the prophetic. When you start talking about a dream, you can just, you know. But I did have an outline. Y'all got that first. <laughs> Command center. Yeah, we got to be wet on our assignment. Got to be wet. I'm telling you, just get in the presence of God and just let it drench you. This is the season of being wet all the time. Amen? Amen. And it gets better. Ezekiel 47, he was talking about... I used Ezekiel 47 a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about deep calling to deep, this idea of tapping into the ground. But he said something that people miss a lot is that at every level, every level that the Lord spoke to him, he made him get in the water. He made him get in, get wet. We have to honor every generation before us. So Lord God, we just thank you, God. Lord, we thank you for what you did in Toronto. Lord, we thank you for what you did at Cane Ridge. God, we thank you for what you did down in Florida. God, we thank you for what you did in Wales. Lord, we just thank you for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit where stuff changes. He was talking, Dutch was talking about how, you know, we can, this whole thing with this next generation, it's not going to work for us to just say, well, the Bible says so. That's not going to give them biblical literacy. That's not going to give them a biblical worldview. The Spirit of God has to show up, and that's what happens in a revival. It gets all over you, and you get out there, and you're burning, and you're soaking wet, and all of a sudden, there's just an awareness of God comes over the whole entire town, comes over the state, comes over a nation, where people are laying there. They may be druggies or whatever, but they're laying there at night going, I wonder what God thinks. All they got to do is bump into somebody like you or me, that's full of the Spirit, that's soaking wet. <laughs> Got to get in the river. Oh, we can't come into the new thing rejecting half of what he did yesterday. In our hearts, we got to go back to the revivals and honor what he did there. I really feel like the Lord's calling me, and so I'm going to be traveling a little bit this next year. I got a prophetic word from Norman Spencer last week. But I'm going to go get every place where God has ever broke out 
and I'm going to stand there and I'm going to drink in and call on heaven to, to receive of everything. And then I'm bringing it back here. So y'all better buckle up. <laughs> we need to thank him for everyone who's gone before us because he's going to clap for streams. I mean, you're going to see it. It's going to be like a, in a moment, and all of God's people will come together and be like a mighty army. The dream shifted to what was happening at Red River was also happening at Cane Ridge. It was happening at Azusa. And it's like looking down, they could see a line drawn from uh, Cane Ridge to Azusa uh, and to Red River, and it formed the head of a spear. And then it went west to Wales by drawing lines in the, in the spirit. And they start talking about miners' shafts in Wales, that in Wales, it was a revival of the working man. In Wales, the miners, the coal miners. I see all the things that are coming against us these days, and I just go, it's like the enemy thinks that God's going to do it again the same way. This big push for electric cars and shutting down coal mines. He just doesn't want that to happen again. He doesn't know exactly what God's going to do. I can almost go to every layer of stuff that we got trouble. Just like church and not being able to meet and putting a mask over your face. I got to see you in the face. You got to see my face to be incited. Sorry, rabbit trail. In Wales, in Wales, the miners, so they'd be 100, 200, 300, whatever it was, feet down in the earth, and they had these mining shafts, and I had pictures of that a couple of weeks ago, right? Well, they're for air, for them to breathe, it's ventilation, but they would worship the Lord. They were all getting wrecked down in the mine, worshiping God so that this anointing and this power of the Holy Spirit was just coming up out of the earth. And families, 30, 40 people would come and set up lawn chairs around those ventilation holes and just get wrecked with the Holy Spirit so that the earth itself was praising the Lord. <laughs> Wales, the shaft of the Spirit. Minor shaft. Whoa. The word is that the Lord is reopening the wells of revival, each one of those places and bringing them into the synergy of the ages. Then she, that's the end of the dream. A year later, almost to date, she has another dream that's a succession of the last one. In this dream, she's caught up in the spirit, and she's looking down on the USA, and there's a man with her that has a strong anointing. I'm going to reach out and say maybe an angel, and when I share one of my dreams in a minute, there, you know it's a God dream when there's this character there that's giving you these questions like, son of man, what do you see? That's, that's, that's a God dream, okay? I've only had a couple of them, seriously, but they absolutely turn and shift the course of, of lives when this happens. Anyway, so uh, she's caught up. She's looking down in the USA, and the man asks her, what do you see? And she's looking, and she sees warplanes. It's like bombers. And he's asking her, but he's looking at her like with an with a eyebrow raised, like the angel asked John in the book of Revelation. Are you sure that's what you see? And she says, wait a minute. I've seen this before. Those are the eagles, and there's a hundred of them. And they're circling the United States. They're carrying water. They're saturated. They're full of water. 
from the, Red, from the Red River Meeting House, from that well. Water of revival. And they have three arrows. They, they each have, so 300 arrows. They each have three arrows and they have a scroll in the other hand. And the word was that the revival will cover the nations. And so she, she, she um, the nation, sorry. The eagles dove and they started dropping their arrows. I want you to remember this detail right here. They started dropping their arrows, and when the arrows hit and struck the land, explosions were going off. Pillars of fire were blowing up as if it hit a pocket of gas. And then the most incredible thing happened. The eagles themselves, as they were dropping just this rain out of them, the, the, the water that of the well from revival was actually extremely flammable, and it was on fire and creating this pillar of fire all over and the whole nation was on fire will you join me in being that audacious to believe that God has a plan for America the whole nation was on fire the arrowheads represent the fire of God and the, the angel or the man said to him, you have seen correctly. This is how America will be saved. And this is the title of his message. You can look it up on YouTube, but don't doubt it. Do not doubt it. Different words, but it's the same echo of hold fast your confession of faith. Get back to the stronghold, you prisoner of faith. Don't you doubt it. What seems to be one thing is actually something else. People that are teaching doom and gloom and the end of the world, don't listen to them. It's almost like there's an eschatology out there that folks are addicted to the idea that God won't come through on what he said. That it's not good. It's actually got to get bad. That the world's got to go to hell in a handbasket before it'll get any better. I'm telling you, that's not the way that, that it goes down. Huh. What if it's better than that? What seems to be one thing is about to be revealed as another. So the shaking and the, the global pressing that we're, we're feeling is actually this revival and the resistance in the spirit. Talked about this last week, but the resistance in the spirit. It's like two tectonic plates that create an earthquake. You got two different things trying to go opposite ways. And the kingdom of God will win. The kingdom of God will overtake. The gates of hell, which are a defensive structure, will not prevail against the church. The church is on the offensive, not the defensive. What, what looks like de destruction is actually revival, uh, outpouring of the Lord's Spirit, a covering of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord like the waters cover the sea, the whole entire planet. Amen? So it reminds me of my dream, and Brad said I should tell my dream at least twice a year because it governs the direction and the heartbeat of this church. And so I think it was about 2010, and the Lord really, my life was just fine, making good money and had everything just perfectly in order, and the Lord started calling good on all that word I'd been reading. <laughs> all that pursuing the Lord, he said, now it's time. And I started having these dreams. And I had three really significant dreams that, 
that uh, stand out to me. Like I dream all the time, but they're like, okay, that's a warning about whatever. But then there are dreams that actually uh, take over and guide the course of your life. And so I had this one dream, the most powerful dream I've ever had in my whole entire life, and I've told it several times, but you're going to hear it again. So I'm in, we used to live like a mile from here, just, just right over there, just north of here. And I'd been on uh, um, an elder board at my church for nearly 20 years at, at my past church. So I knew it was like to be in an elder meeting. Although now I realized that uh, I was having a meeting in my dining room, and there's a window there that faced the south. And so it, we never had meetings at my house, by the way. We didn't have elder meetings at the house. It was always at the church. But it was that style of a meeting. It was a board meeting. And, and now I understand that that's a little bit different because of what we're walking in. But anyways, um, and an explosion goes off and to the south. And so this boom happens and the whole house is just like shaking. The window's rattling and this intense light came lit up that window to the south and Son of man, what do you see? <laughs> Shows up this character. You know, instead of like losing my composure, I just kind of, like in one of those movies, you know, like in a dream would, you just stand up from the table and everybody's still at the table and I just start walking with this character. And well, well, let's go see. And I open the front door and as soon as I open it, you know, and all the trees are and everything's shaking. And the wind is blowing and I immediately felt the heat on my skin. And it was intense, and I walked up to the street because the street was higher than the house. We kind of lived on a hill. And I looked to the south, and it was this massive pillar of fire. What looked like an atom bomb, you know, and it didn't stop. It wasn't just like boom, and it was over. It was, and uh, I was terrified. And he said, what do you see? I went, oh, man, you're showing me World War III. You're showing me my interpretation of that as a worst-case scenario, right? right? Doom and gloom, destruction. My eschatology was that way back then. Oh, I studied the book of Revelation for 20 years. You know, I thought I had it all figured out. Ezekiel, Daniel, whatever, you know. Anyways, not that this is about that. But um, that was my lens, my filter, right? And the Lord said, Lord, angel, whoever this was, says, No. No, it's not World War III. That's not a nuclear warhead. Look closer. And I looked closer and I looked closer, and it was a mountain burning with fire. It was a mountain on fire, and guess what? It was just north, I mean south, of the house. Pretty much about where this church is sitting right here. And I was terrified, but he said, this is me. What are you going to do? Because my first instinct was like, my reaction would be self-preservation. I'm going to hook up the truck. I had a big camper that you can actually live in, boat. You know, we can go out to the lake. I can fish and, you know, catch food or whatever. I got the dog. We can load up the dog and the kids and all that. But I was faced with this, oh, the Lord is in it. I'm absolutely terrified. have no idea what he means by that this is me. But he, he said, what are you going to do? And I actually said, Come get me. I just threw up my hands in the middle of the street, and the dream's over. And I wake up, I'm just 
pouring with sweat. I mean, I've been hyperventilating. This thing was so intense. And I get up, I go in my prayer closet. I'm like, Lord, what in the world? What was that? And he says, Hebrews chapter 12, go check it out. I'm like, yeah, I think I remember something in Hebrews chapter 12 about shaking and burning and receiving a kingdom. And that's about all I got at first. You are receiving a kingdom that can't be shaken. Everything that can be shaken will be. But guess what? You're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And he refers to a mountain that burned with fire. He's talking about where God's presence came down on Mount Sinai, where God actually met with his people. And back then, I, I had really no grid for catch the fire. That wasn't, you know, my mom used to go uh, to Toronto and all that, and I just thought that was a little, a little half popped. I, I, you know, I, hey, whatever, I don't get it. But when I heard about this dream that this lady had, and I believe that is a prophetic word for the nation, I realized even more that there's something about the eagles dropping their arrows that that revival fire is here, you guys. It's here now. We're not waiting for revival. The revival, I said this last week, starts in the heart of an individual that we actually get to light ourselves on fire. We can see. We can actually adjust our hope to the synergy of the ages to catch up with our hope that's laid up in heaven and set our hearts on that and, and go for it. So guess what? This is one of those moments where the Lord has rolled out the red carpet and said, hey, look, you're a, you're a part of this body. You're, you're, a part of the, you're a part of the church. Take advantage of the opportunity. Step into this Kairos moment. The moment is now. The day of salvation is here. Huh. I'm not raising up peasants, he says. I'm raising up rulers. Now is time to make up for lost time and quickly pave miles of neglected road. The time is now to align with the synergy of the ages. Now, I addressed this last week, but, you know, this, this biblical literacy, this ability for us to raise the roof on our expectation by actually pursuing and finding God as he's revealed himself in his word and the prophetic and, and worship and all that, but the word is a big deal of, of getting in the word, and the rest of the world needs you to know the word. But, you know, we could read the word for 40, 50 years and not really know what to do with it. Like it's in there, and that's awesome, that's good, but the Lord wants to take and light that candle. He wants to roar it. It's like you've put the fuel in but now it's time to light it on fire. So we have opportunities. We, the Lord told me, you need to start, because here I am doing some teaching and I'm talking prophetically, but half an hour, 45 minutes a week, it just drives me nuts. It's not enough, you know, to actually get across and teach the things that I feel like we need to know, we need to learn. So one thing I remember from being a learner, being a kid in school, like my glasses, you know, uh, before, I, before I had glasses, I couldn't see that well. And they wondered why I was just kind of faking it in school, wasn't getting good grades. It wasn't that I didn't want to learn, I just couldn't see. You know, so once they figured that out, they put me up on the front row, which was fun. But I also had to learn how to ask questions. You know, there's something about us that doesn't want to admit that we don't know already. 
it offends our sense of intelligence to say that there's actually war that we can step into, that we can raise the level of biblical literacy to know and understand our God for who he's revealed himself to be in Scripture. So, here are ways. Stuff is really cranking up. So, from going from being vague to being specific, apostolic discipleship. The Lord has called us to that. We, we have to be making disciples, okay? And for us to be making them, we have to be learners under discipline ourselves, right? We're going after this apostolic form of church. That to The church never, the, the model of the church should never be in the hands of pastors and teachers. You need pastors and teachers, but you have to have apostolic and prophetic or it won't get off the ground. It'll die in one generation. Are, are, am I making sense? And so that was a shift that we had to go through. As a matter of fact, when the Lord asked me to do what I'm doing now, I was afraid to ask him. <laughs> I Finally, he was just leaning on me. And he said, I said, Lord, are you asking me to do this? And he said, yes, I am. I was like, oh. Because I just, my understanding and my vision of what a pastor is supposed to be was something I didn't want to be. Because I see when all the weight gets put on them, when all the eyes are on them, when it's all about a personality, when it's all about that guy's vision, there's intense amounts of pressure. And I believe that that's what causes them to, to fail and fall sometimes. I also know that it causes them to run their family in the dirt. And, you know, you're on call 24-7. And I want you to know that I'm doing the work of a pastor. I'm here for you. I really am. You can call me. Set up an appointment. I really am concerned about you. And I will absolutely pour into your life. But the Lord said, it's not what you think. When I said, oh, okay. I just gave him my yes. And he started talking about the apostolic. I didn't know what he was talking about. He was talking in great detail. (laughs) And here we are today. We found ourselves smack dab. We've got other apostolic people here, Matthew and uh, Matthew's pursuit of that. We've got Michael Perdur, who is leading the charge in Catch the Fire, laying out this foundation. So Destiny Finders, it's a way to get involved. Journey Groups is a follow-up. It's the continuation of what we do in Destiny Finders. The Worldview Class. And I want to bring up, has anybody heard of the Bible Project? So go to thebibleproject.com. If I could challenge you this morning, what is facing our generation today is they're, they, don't, they don't necessarily learn like we did in our generation. They have been so trained to learn through quick images and quick uh, short sentences and stuff so that the plot and the background and everything gets... Um, assumed because they know the narrative already because they associate uh, with things that they've seen before, that all the stuff that they look at, the movies, the cartoons that they were raised in, now with social media and TikToks and and all of that, it's just the way, yes, rapid fire, rapid fire. Well, these guys called the Bible Project have done an amazing job where you can like catch up and understand things on like a scholastic level in a very short period of time. And so the young people that I've been turning it on to, they understand more than some people that have been reading the Bible for 40 years because they use illustrations and they go really deep. So what I'm challenging you to do is to go to thebibleproject.com and watch these five-minute videos and begin to pray through and to study through and to commit yourself 
uh, to learning more in the Bible. And this is learning more about the God of the Bible, learning more about what the Bible is and what it's not, how to read it, what to do with it, the way it's written, who it was written to. All those things actually matter. Okay? Can we do that? Like instead of going home and binging Netflix or watching TikTok for hours, spend some time doing that. And you'll enjoy it because it's, it's got images that are flashing. They're, they're doing illustrations. And uh, it'll really uh, spark the Word of God and a hunger for the Word of God in you. Help you understand. Sometimes the Word of God gets just uh, repetitive, familiar. I've read that a thousand times. But it's all connected to something bigger. It's connected to you. Uh, so yeah, and then sign up for the biblical worldview class, the class that we're going to start in January. Digging our wells deeper in prayer. Stuff is really cranked up in the last month. We've been praying. We had like eight folks show up. It was just awesome. It's like you could feel the ground shake and the roof blow off yesterday, yesterday morning as we were pacing back and forth. Just so Anyways, you don't know what you're missing. Come to that. And the prophetic. If you're one of the aspects of the school that we will get to is the school of the prophets, training people how to be prophetic and not just prophetic here on Sunday, but yes on Sunday and yes all the time. And then everywhere outreach. That we're called into every sphere of influence, that every place that God can give you influence, that you can actually minister and carry the Holy Spirit and change the world. We're called to go into all the world and preach the gospel, amen? So that means marketplace, and we're going to actually teach people how to do that. I've got a little bit of experience in that area. So why don't we stand up? Hmm? We'll do that next week. I know we had communion elements setting out. I was just going for it, you know, as you can say, I was just eating me up on the inside, but, um, oh, is everybody okay? I didn't rough you up too bad or anything like that, did I? This is what, that was an incitement, okay? (laughs) Inciting you to good works, love and good works. It's a good thing. We're called to do that for each other. So, Lord, we just touch your word right now. We take you at your word, Lord, that you said that you want to drench us in confident expectation. You want to bring the water of the, uh, the wells of revival right here to this house. God, I thank you, Lord, that we have a portion. We have an inheritance reserved in the heavens, Lord, that, that we get to partake of this. And, Lord, we take it seriously. God, right now in the Spirit, we just step into, y'all just take a step or something. We step into this window of opportunity. Lord, we're not waiting around for you to do something. You've already done it. Lord, we declare that now is our time. Now is our time, God. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, there the eagle landed. <laughs> uh, I don't have uh, a better ending than that, but y'all have a great week. Lean into this stuff. Come talk to me. I'm here if you need me. Call me, text me, send me an email. Have a really, really great week. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to the Consumed Church weekly podcast. This entire service and others can be viewed on our Facebook and YouTube channels. If you would like to partner with us in raising the next generation of kingdom bringers, you can do so at theconsumedchurch.com slash give.